You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of The 30. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, don't forget to subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out online at libertyballers.com. Joining me for this one, been a few weeks now, Mr. Jackson, Frank Jackson, what's going on? How have things been for you uh, watching the Sixers, watching NBA basketball? What's been going on in your life? Things are good. The Sixers have had kind of a, a weird schedule, it feels like, kind of dating back to that second Bucks game where they have three days off between two days off games with only one day game during the or weeks with only one game during the weekday. So uh been kind of a strange and walking schedule. Hence why we haven't, you know, talked in a little while uh, on here, but things are good. Yeah, it has been, it has been a, uh, like it, the schedule has been light and then I think it's going to start picking up where they're playing every, every few days by the end of the month. But yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it's been kind of funny. Don't get me wrong. We don't mind it because we get some days off <laughs> when the Sixers are aren't playing, uh, but they've been playing well as of late. Won three in a row to start this seven game homestand ended up beating the Sacramento Kings 123-103 on Tuesday. Um, looking at that game, Jackson. The Sixers really took control of this one in the second quarter. They were uh, outscored the Kings by seven in the first, outscored them by 18 in the second. So basically we knew this game was a wrap um, going into going into the, the second half. But when you look at what they've done differently over these past three games, and obviously having James Harden to back, especially after that ugly loss against Houston, he's starting to find his groove as well. Uh, played pretty well again last night, 21 points, 15 assists. Obviously Joel Embiid has been dominant one Eastern conference player of the week. He put up 31 and seven on Tuesday. When you look at what the Sixers have been able to do, especially on the offensive end, right? Because you look at defensively, they're a top five team when it comes to defensive rating, they're best in the league when it comes to opponents, three point percentage, but offensively, what have they done differently? And do you think this is now becoming the norm for the Sixers? And do you think they're going to start getting on a run here? Yeah, I think it's interesting because it hasn't, I don't think necessarily, any of these games, these last three games have played out in like a, a carbon copy fashion. Uh, obviously, Sunday was the Joel Embiid shift, two, three points. Um, and then, you know, Tuesday was the Joel Embiid show in the first quarter. Tobias Harrison, 14 in that first quarter as well. James Harden took over in the second quarter and had some really nice plays in the in the third and fourth quarter as well. So, um, you know, that, that game against the Lakers, most of it, they were pretty good defensively until they forgot how to break a press. In that final 40 seconds or so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you know, the biggest differentiator between, you know, that the loss to the Rockets last week versus the last three games is the defense, honestly. Like they were good against the, the Rockets offensively. Obviously, the Rockets are not a very good defensive team, so you should be good against them. But, uh, um, you know, fifth in defensive rating over the past three games, as you mentioned, Jazz, you know, they're top five unit on the year. Um, but Embiid's been a lot more engaged and active these last three games versus he wasn't very good against the Rockets. 
Uh, and then offensively, we're getting efficient Harden. We're seeing efficient Harden games, you know, offensively, or as a, as a scorer, I should say. I think over the last three games, I tweeted it out, uh, averaging about 23 points a game on 65% true shooting. Some of that is fueled by some hot shooting from, from deep. Um, but just, you know, in that game against the Rockets, I think he was four of 19, seven turnovers, something like that. Um, so even though the passing is always there, he wasn't really, you know, leading efficient offense because he was missing shots and turning the ball over a ton. Um, they didn't really have much going outside of Embiid and that loss to Houston. So um, it feels like you're seeing Harden really adapt his game to this new kind of state of athletic existence. Um, the burst, you know, still isn't really there, but he's using his strength, getting the mid-range a lot. We're seeing him post up a little bit. Um, defense is still really respect him as an on-ball creator, and he's able to parlay that into quality looks for a lot of different guys, usually Embiid. But uh, it just... They're not doing anything incredible, but it's just Harden is being a really, really good kind of floor general, and he's scoring the well, scoring the ball well. Is you know, in addition to that, so um, when you have Embiid scoring like this, when you get, you know, when Harden is supplementing you with quality um, secondary scoring, you're going to be a really, really good offense usually. And they've played, you know, some offense, some defenses that aren't particularly good, which helps. But uh, Harden being an efficient scorer, I think, is the biggest differentiator, and that really kind of provides a nice compliment to what Embiid is doing these days. Yeah, you're saying, Jackson, they haven't played exactly the greatest opposition. You know what I mean? Although, let's, let's be real, Sacramento, at least a, a respectable team this year, finally. Yeah, you know what I mean? meant After... defensively. You know, playing the Rockets, yeah. the Lakers struggle a lot, especially in transition. The Hornets are not a defensive team, and the Kings have been better on that end, but still not like a top 10 year or anything like that. So, uh, No, for sure. But, yeah, for it, sure. but if you look at this right now, I mean, they they – we're losing games that they should have won. And, and don't get me wrong, missing Harden, missing Maxi, missing Embiid for that little stretch there obviously impacts that. But looking at this now, like we know who the class of the NBA is at this point, right? Jackson, we're at, we're at roughly the 30 game mark. You got Boston at 22 and seven. You got Milwaukee at 20 and seven. Um, the Cavs have been hanging out there. Brooklyn, obviously turning things around. The Nets have won eight of their last 10 uh, and the Sixers climbing up the standings. You know what I mean? They're, they're sitting at the five spot in mm-hmm. the East right now. Um, just only a game and a half up on Atlanta, who is in the first play-in position. But if you're looking at this squad, and Tyrese Maxey should be back before the Christmas break. Doc Rivers did give an update on him yesterday, basically saying he just needs to kind of get some more reps and play some more just basketball. I've been run, done a lot of running, um, done a lot of working out, but hasn't been able to, to be back on the court. Um, when you're looking at this squad, Jackson, are they good enough to compete? At this point, with with the Celtics and the Bucks, like you, you, when they're fully healthy and they're turning the corner, or do you still look at them and say, "Hey, they are still a notch below, right in that in that second tier in the East with Cleveland and and Brooklyn." Yeah, I don't think they're in that top tier. I think they're a very good team. I understand, you know, the frustrations, and you know, I understand why fans are not happy with the loss of the Rockets. They were, quite frankly, very poor in that game. Um, but this is, I think, this is a good team. Uh, I think Boston and you is right now, like. I think Milwaukee's really good, but for me, just based on what Boston's done with all of their absences, I know Chris Middleton missed some time in your holiday as well. Um, I just think Boston's kind of a notch ahead. Um, I think Milwaukee is gettable. I don't think the Sixers may necessarily get there, but I can see various outcomes where the Sixers kind of reach their sin. They streamline consistency. They figure out the rotation. Embiid, Harden, Maxi Harris is a really nice big four, and they kind of get to Milwaukee's level. Um, but I, I just I think that, that right now it's tough for me to – see them getting to the top of the, the class, which is for me, Boston by a little bit. And again, I understand if people want to put Milwaukee in there, it's just my, my kind of view of things thus far. I know Milwaukee's, you know, played really well and they got Middleton back and they're figuring things out. But 
uh, yeah, it's tough for me to see them getting to Boston's level, which is who I deem kind of the the, the class of of the East these days. And that's not necessarily say that Milwaukee can't win at all or can't be, beat Boston. Just kind of how I view, uh, you know, the, the Eastern Conference hierarchy as it currently stands. Yeah, and and you're you're looking at that looking at that Celtic squad. Uh, really, just have shown that. They came back with a vengeance after losing that that final series last year to to the Warriors. Uh, Jason Tatum, to me, right at the forefront of the MVP race. So, again, that squad uh, has been great. And, Jackson, we talked about this in the offseason, too. We knew that coming into it, and give Boston credit because it's lived up to the expectations where we looked at it and said, it's going to be Boston, it's going to be Milwaukee. The Sixers have to show that they're there uh, at that level. And, again, not saying that they're they're totally off, off pace right now, and hopefully the Sixers can figure things out, but – um until they start showing it yeah those are going to be the two teams we look at and be like that's the pinnacle of, of the league at this point uh jackson let's take a quick break here i want to jump into some other stuff we'll do that coming up in about a minute mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're back. Uh, Jackson, going going back into some general NBA talk, looking looking around the league. Um, any teams out there that have really disappointed you so far? I would look at it from my vantage point. If you look at the West, uh, the Timberwolves not not playing up to up to what we expected them to be. Although that Rudy Gobert, uh, Carl Anthony Town things while while Cat was in the lineup has been a disaster. If if you're looking around the the rest of the league, anybody who's disappointed you so far that you think is playing below expectations? Yeah, I think the Timberwolves are an obvious one. They just haven't had the cohesion you want offensively. Transition defense is a mess. Um, kind of the decision-making of Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell hasn't been where you want. Um, I, I still want to give them some time to gel because I do think it's a unique pairing in the sense that you have two All-NBA, two reigning, or two All-NBA caliber you know, centers to kind of figure things out. But obviously, definitely, if I'm underwhelmed at this point, uh, I think the Hawks are another one that, that have been frustrating. I know they've they're missing some guys. Like I think the, they played the Grizzlies on Monday without Collins, Trey, and Dejounte. Maybe one other two other guys that were out that could be off. But um, I just I, I th- their depth is really really poor. Um, you know it's pretty well documented that they didn't want it, that ownership didn't want to pay the luxury tax, and so you know not using the MLE they traded away Kevin Herter, um, which I, you know obviously Herter's lighting it up for the Kings. Um, you just there's just not a lot of talent beyond their starting lineup, which is a very good starting lineup. But I don't think it there's some kind of wonky fits with that starting five. And I don't think it's there's some diminishing returns as well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily looking at the record and, you know, saying 14 or 14, you know, they're, they're in the play right now. That's that's the issue. Just kind of what I've seen in the the handful of games. Like, it doesn't look like a team that is going to contend for a top four seed, which is obviously 
their goal when they acquired, you know, an all-star DeJounte Murray. So um, I think the the train DeJounte fit isn't great just based on the rest of the, the roster and kind of how they both like to be methodical and not really quick hitting players. Obviously, Trey is struggled to get it going from the field as a shooter, but um, those would be kind of the two teams to me. The Heat as well, uh, that offense is really sticky. Uh, they were, I think they were might have led the league in three-point percentage last year. This year, they're bottom 10 in that. They just can't really generate shots around the rim very well. Lowry is a very much a diminished player, uh, and they're not shooting the ball well from three, so... I would say kind of off the top, those are the three teams that I've I've watched this year, you know, a good amount uh, and, you know, come away less than enthused based on kind of what I, maybe what I expected them or what they kind of, what their offseason signaled or their previous year signaled about kind of their intentions this season, um, you know, for, for kind of where they want to go and who they want to be. Jackson, when you when you look at look around at, at the rest of the league, and and you know we've heard again not playing at a superstar level, but Russell Westbrook's name has been thrown around in trades and buyouts, whatever the hell it is that that's happening um, with the Lakers. But you look around the rest of the league, right? And you mentioned a team like the Heat, who we looked at last season. You know they were the top seed going into uh, going into the playoffs. Um, you know what I mean? Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry. Um, all these guys that we looked at were like, yeah, Miami's going to be back. And, and uh, again, that's a team that you mentioned that we looked at as, as a potential Eastern Conference, at least champion or Eastern Conference getting to the, the conference finals. Um, when you when you look around, it, it, do you expect anybody to be moved in the in the next coming months before we hit the trade deadline here? Like like I said, obviously, we've heard Russell Westbrook's name thrown around. I think Lakers fans have, would give their right, right arm to make that deal with the Pacers to try and get Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Um, and giving up their their future first round picks, although now we're hearing that Bogdanovich out of um, Detroit could be available as well. But do you expect any action on the trade front coming up here? And if so, who are some of the big names you think might get moved uh, before the trade deadline? Yeah, I think you know a couple of teams that see, I would say three teams that seem you know ripe for a deal just based on kind of either reports or where how they've looked this year would be the Suns, the Lakers, and the Heat. Uh, I know the Suns have dealt with some injuries. Cam Johnson still out with meniscus, uh, uh, torn meniscus, I believe, is the injury. Something to do with the meniscus, at the very least. And you know, Jay Crowder is not playing, um, but I, I don't think they're in a place right now to be a title contender. I don't think the shot creation is there beyond Devin Booker. Even Devin Booker, I think, has some limitations as a creator. Um, and then obviously the Lakers, we know, you know, AD is playing at a top five, ten, whatever you want to call him. Uh, at that level uh, these days, but they, you know, they just don't have, kind of have the, they are missing a lot of things. Uh, and then the heat, as we mentioned, you know, they just aren't there shooting wise. They need someone, I think who create down off the dribble. And so I think a couple names that come to mind that could be shuffled around here, are a few names, you know, maybe a boy on Bogdanovich, but uh, I think he's helped a lot of the young guys with this floor space and inability to kind of be a, a big time scorer for that Pistons team. I'm not saying that they shouldn't like refuse to trade him, but there's a lot of value in having some stability with a, with a good impactful veteran for your young guys. Um, Jay Crowder, as I mentioned, obviously seems like he's, you know, almost a lot to be moved before the deadline. Um, you know, assuming that the Suns can find something that kind of maybe invigorates their offensive uh, prowess. And then, you know, we mentioned Russell Westbrook. I think Eric Gordon's another guy who could be dealt some, maybe something with the Suns there. Um, just some names that come to mind for me there. Uh, I wonder, does, do the Nuggets try to, you know, kind of fortify their, their center depth, uh, maybe their wing depth a little more, uh, Deanna Jordan, you know, as all Sixers fans and Lakers fans and Nets fans, uh, could have told you is not the answer <laughs> back up five this year. 
um, for the Nuggets team, you know, obviously has championship aspirations with a guy like Nikola Jokic and all their moving all their moving parts. So um, I, I mentioned some names, but those would kind of be the four teams to me. I said three at the beginning, but those would be the four teams to me that I look at and go, I feel like there's there's going to be some moving and shaking from them. And then you look at, you know, a team like the Pelicans who are, you know, atop the West. They've got a lot of draft picks they can move. A lot of young guys are in a spot where, like, they have the problem of, like, when they're healthy, they don't have enough, there's not enough minutes to go around for everyone. So you can see them maybe, you know, adding some more wing depth, maybe adding one more guard, um, you know. So I don't know if it has a ton of names, but those would be the ones that come to mind. Just, you know, Russ, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, Eric Gordon, Jay Crowder. Um, all guys that I could see be, you know, on the move. I could also see the Blazers looking to, you know, supplement their, their big men depth as well. Maybe trying to find something a little more, uh, a little more high level starting center than what you Nurkic has provided this year. So, um, a lot of teams, a lot of names out there, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I kind of see the trade market, uh, sitting at the moment. When you look at the, at the Sixers, Jackson, do you, do you think they're, they might make a move? Um, obviously not going to don't have the the space and, and don't have the flexibility to add a big name. Uh, they made all their moves in the offseason. Uh, but you look around, you know, a guy like Eric Gordon, we heard could be a potential candidate. The Sixers would have to give up a couple of roster players at that point. But do you think they're going to be able to make a move um, leading up to the deadline? Or do you think that what they have right now, like this is going to be the roster and this is what they're dealing with? I would imagine that the the roster will look different to, in some capacity after, you know, the mid-February deadline. But I also do think that they're going to want to be able to see what they, this team looks like with more than I mean, what was, how many, like how many games have they played with their, you know, preferred starting lineup? It's, it's gotta be five maybe this year, you know, you know, Harden was Harden missed some games that beat missed some games to start the year. I think they're going to want to kind of figure out if they can get this thing rolling um, and whatnot. That's not, that's not for me to say that like they shouldn't be looking to upgrade. As I, as I mentioned earlier, they're not in the same class as the Celtics. And I think they get to the Bucks level. I don't think they're at the Bucks level. So they should be looking to upgrade. It is hard because they don't really have a lot of mid-level salaries. All they have is P.J. Tucker. And, you know, I, I just, you know, I think P.J. has been not, I, not exactly what you would have wanted in this signing, but I think overly scrutinized to a degree. But he's not someone that I think teams are clamoring for. And he's the type of guy that, like, if you're looking to make a title push, you acquire, you don't look to make a title push by moving off of him. So um, they're in a weird spot in that sense, but I certainly expect him to try and fortify some wing depth a little bit. Obviously the Daniel house signing hasn't worked as well as they would have liked. He's, he just looks less laterally fluid than he did last year with the jazz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Off the dribble a lot. I think it's been, he's added some interesting pop with his ability to attack closeouts and do some stuff as a passer, but uh, I think they kind of wanted to be more of an on-ball stopper than, he, than he's been. And just He's been, like I said, less athletic than, than I, what I saw with the Jazz last year and why I thought he was a decent signing at the time, but obviously that has not proven correct to this point. So um, just a little more wing depth, I think, um, because I, I think you, you're not in a – like I think you enter the playoffs with a rotation of Harden, Maxi, Tucker, Harris, Embiid, Shake, Melton – Niang and then whoever Doc decides to play at the backup five, which has been a revolving door. It seems like Harold's back in the the uh, the lead in that in that race these days. Um, it's not a a bad group, but it could definitely use you know maybe one to one and a half more guys that you can trust at least in a first round series, at least in a pinch in a second round series um, to kind of get get you where you want to go. Um, but again, I think it's, you know, there, I, I would be surprised to see anything drastic, both just because of how injured they've been and just the fact that they're kind of hamstrung uh, uh, 
financial in terms of acquiring mid-level salaries. Yeah, and 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 again, they they did leave themselves a little bit of wiggle room. Uh, Daryl Morey did with, with those offseason moves and, and and looking looking around at the Sixers and and what they've been able able to do. Obviously, like I said, just going on a three game winning streak, not beating the cream of the crop in the NBA, but sitting at fifteen and twelve at this point, might look to add another piece, might look to add another depth player uh, who, like you mentioned, who gives them some wing help, gives them some defensive help, gives them some shooting. Uh, but when you look at, at at this squad, Jackson, and, and we'll wrap up on, on this, talking a little bit of Sixers again, um, guys like Matisse Thybul, right? He's, we thought that Matisse was gone in the offseason. We thought he would definitely be a trade chip. Then we thought, hey, they got Melton. They got uh, P.J. Tucker. They got Daniel House. Uh, likely Thybul's not going to get, get much run. He's played himself back into the rotation. When you look at, at this Sixers team, uh, obviously, PJ Tucker went, what didn't score a point for what it felt like for like six weeks. If you know what I mean, going through uh, that stretch where where he was unable to to even make a bucket. But if you look at at, at this Sixer squad as is, who would you say you would want to get rid of? If you were in Daryl Morey's shoes and you're looking at this like, okay, let's try and move on from this guy. I think Tobias Harris, as well as he has played and and as consistent as he has been this season, uh, obviously trying to get off that thirty eight, thirty nine million dollar salary for next year would help, but when you look at the rest of those guys, is there anybody that comes to mind you look at that you're like, you know what, I would I would love it if the Sixers moved on from this guy or were able to, to trade him to get something of value in return? Yeah, I I just, you know, Matisse was, I, I want to give him credit, he was quite good in that winning us the Kings uh, on on Tuesday. Uh, and, you know, I thought he was pretty solid against the Lakers as well. But just I, I, I've watched Matisse enough in the playoffs to know that his offense gets completely exposed and his defense regresses. Um, teams use his aggressive tendencies against him. And it's just a guy that, like, I think there's there's got to be a rebuilding team out there that looks at him and sees his all the defensive accolades and and says we can we can figure out the jumper for him. like we, can, we got we, we trust our shooting development. We can figure that out for him and, and bites on him and maybe moves a more established veteran. Um, you know, I feel like I'm someone who's pretty harsh on Matisse, but it's just, it's just, I've, I've watched enough of him in the playoffs and I've watched enough smart, savvy defensive teams really muck up Embiid's post-ups and the Harden Embiid pick and roll when he's mm-hmm. on the floor and all these things. So, um, he's a guy that most makes the most sense. I understand kind of the, the want to move off Tobias, but I do think there's a lot that Tobias is doing well these days, shooting the heck out of the ball from three, playing with force downhill. I think the defense has been pretty solid. Um, I just don't know how much you're going to improve this roster if you if you move Tobias, um, because as I mentioned, like he's he's been a pretty dang good player, you know, kind of dating back to last March. Um, but like he's just not a player that you know his salary. When you look at other, other players who make a similar amount of money, he doesn't kind of fit into that class for the most part. So I have a tough time kind of seeing who who he might who who his suitors might be. Again, if there's a package other that makes sense, sure. I just have a hard time envisioning one, and he's been playing quite well. Um, so yeah, for me, Matisse is the one, you know, maybe, maybe toss a Jaden Springer in there. A guy who hasn't had a lot of chance to play is a young guy, of course, first round pick. So, um, I don't think the Sixers are like entirely out of options and I, I you know, or flexibility, but it is fairly limited. And I think Matisse is, is the guy that makes the most sense there, just kind of based on what I've seen. And, and, you know, as well as he played against the Kings and he was good against the Lakers. I just, it's just hard for me to, to see him being someone that like, yeah, we trust in a playoff rotation just based on how he's performed his first three playoff appearances. Three. No, I feel I feel like Jackson, I could I can hit more open threes than Matisse Dival, <laughs> right? So I mean <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, that's well, it's just you know, 
every we do it every offseason at this point that uh, you know he's been working on the jumper. And I'm sure I'm not I'm not I'm not saying he hasn't worked. I'm sure he's working on it. It's just like whatever he's doing is not successful at this point. And you know, and it's just you know, it was maybe 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 the three or four showing from against the Kings is, is a springboard, but. I, 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 yeah, we'll keep our reservations. I'm not going to let Lucy, Lucy's not going to pull the football from, from underneath. (laughs) Well, you know what's funny, Jackson? Because even if you look at, if if you look at, uh, the numbers for, for Matisse, like, like you mentioned, I mean, again, hasn't, hasn't been able to bring anything to the table offensively. But if you look at what the guy is able to do, uh, defensively, I mean, again, he, he's he's legitimately, you know, I would say an all NBA talent when it comes to the defensive end, whether that's first, second uh, team that, you know, that that's up for debate. But if you look at, at the job that he does, I mean, his defensive rating is 98.6. You know what I mean? That's like, that's great. You know what I mean? You look at what he's able to do and his net rating overall, he, he's a positive player. So uh, 9.9. So again, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. So again, we're, I think we're just hoping that he's able to start making some jumpers uh, consistently here. All right, Jackson, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up on, on this. I'll, I'll get you out of here. When you look at the Sixers schedule, they got Golden State coming up on Friday, and I'll be recording with uh, Sam Isfandiari. He does, he does the Warriors pod, so we'll be recording on uh, on Thursday. So that, uh, keep an eye out for that. But they got the Raptors, and they got a lowly Pistons team. They got a Clippers team. Starting to figure it out now a little bit with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George before that Christmas Day matchup with the Knicks. When you look at the Sixer schedule, do you anticipate they're going to get on a run here? Do you think they're going to be able to climb up the standings? I, again, maybe dug themselves too deep of a hole to get up to Boston, Milwaukee. Uh, they're five and six games behind those teams, respectively. But do you think they'll be able to get on a run here and start you know, climbing up and being the team that we expected them to be coming into the season? Yeah, yeah I, th- I think I think it, you know this is an easy, easy thing to say, but... Uh, I think it kind of depends how they handle these games against the, the the few good teams they play. You know, I look at over the next month, they've got three against Detroit, a couple against OKC, and OKC's actually been pretty feisty this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, one against the Bulls that are still without Lonzo Ball and haven't been playing great this year. Uh, a Washington that's beat up by injury, the Knicks, who have been playing better as of late, but um, I still think that's a game the Sixers can win. So, uh, you know, the Pacers have been playing better, but I think that's a game that the Sixers should be better than them. Then you have some a couple against the Pelicans, one against the Jazz, who have been good. Uh, you know, the Warriors, the Raptors, you mentioned, like, I, I I expect them to get a run, but, like, because I do like, I think the schedule is pretty favorable for them. But, uh, you know, if you if you lose, if you lose the Warriors, you lose the Raptors, you lose to the Clippers, you lose to the Jazz, and then you the 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 Bulls steal one off you and the, the Thunder steal one off you, and then you're kind of looking at a 500 stretch, uh, it's not really much of a run. So I expect them to, but this this is a team that's kind of struggled to really build any momentum. Some of that's injury-related. Some of that's just having that random letdown game or that random three-game slide that they had, you know, when they were 12-9 and nine, and then they were 12-12. and 12. So um, I, I feel like I've been fairly optimistic about this team this year, but they I don't know if necessarily their consistency has warranted that, and I, I just can't really, like, project them across a month-long span. But the point is the fair, the schedule is fairly favorable for them. I just don't kind of know what to predict with this team um, because, you know, they were 12 and nine, they were playing really well and then they lose three in a row and then they win three in a row and they have a really nice win against like a good Kings team. At, it was basically at full strength. So um, yeah, it's kind of a non-answer, but my, my gut tells me yes, but based on what we've seen through a third of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about them in a month and they're, 22 and 19 and they're still kind of trying to get get things off the ground 
Yeah, please don't do that, right, Jackson? Because <laughs> I think we all look at this and be like, look, if you're going to be kind of middling, at least be fun. And and I think that's been going on with the Sixers. Because, uh, and Kyle Lubeck wrote about this, right, for the Philly Boys. Like, um, they've just been kind of boring. And and I think he hit the nail on the head that, that you know, we, we came into the season, there were such high expectations. There was so much anticipation for what this team was going to be able to do. And, and you know, we talked about it on, on our podcast here, Jackson, that, hey, um, they're going to take some time to figure it out, right? And and we anticipated that, obviously, not having James Harden, not having Tyrese Maxey, that has impacted things uh, for for the Sixers. But just don't be boring. And, and I think we're, we're hoping here they can get on a run. They can start, um, you know, like I said, go on a five, six-game win streak, maybe lose one or two, and then and you get back on a, on a roll again. Because I think that's what people – want to see from the squad uh let's wrap it up here they were fun tuesday at least i will they say were, that they were they were fun on tuesday i mean they, they let's be honest they slapped the crap out of out of, out of the they game. played fast too that was interesting yeah. to watch they played pretty quick pace but yeah I, I agree that it hasn't there haven't been the majority of six week in this year and some of that's interrelated as we've mentioned but yeah it hasn't necessarily been the most joyful uh viewing experience at times this year no i don't i don't think for anybody so again we're hoping we're hoping that uh that they're able to figure it out um let's wrap it up here jackson like I mentioned, we haven't done this in in a bit because the Sixers schedule has been just a little bit weird. To, you know what I mean? Playing every every feels like every four nights. Uh, but we'll be back again next Wednesday after the uh, the Pistons game. Uh, thanks for joining me. As always, always fun to catch up with you. And and we'll do this again next week. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right, that'll do it for this episode. As I mentioned off the top, don't forget subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out online as well at libertyballers.com. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.